thank you for listening to Side Talks. We're glad that you've tuned in. We're about to have a podcast right now, Corey. What are we talking about in this podcast? I'm going to explain why I'm talking like this later, okay? Uh-oh. But we talk about movies. Okay. And also, let me just at the front here, All right. before we even say that you're Corey Kraft and I'm Rachel Morgan, and uh, this is Side late. Talks. <laughs> See what I did there? Let's just get this out of the way. If you like this podcast and you're listening to this podcast, or even if you don't like it, we still want to see your face. So we are doing this live at the Sidewalk Film Festival. That's right. What What are our times and dates? Do you remember? We're on Saturday. Oh, at- it's Saturday at 145 at the Sidewalk Cinema. It will be live. It sounds like we're going to have not just Corey and me, but also some of our other special guests. There are going to be antics. There are going to be shenanigans. There's going to be arguments. Brad will be there. Sam will be there. Sam will be running tech and maybe weighing out in a fight. And yeah, my mom will be there. So join us. Antics. Anyway, let's not talk about that right now, but let's uh, let's get on with this podcast. And now a look at what we're watching this week. Okay, so I've already alluded to it. Guess what I'm watching. What are you watching? There's two things I'm going to mention. Okay. Both very quickly, because one of them especially is not worth talking about at all. But it just so happened that I'm, you know, at the loft at my home where I live and my girlfriend's over and she's scrolling through and she landed on, while I'm working, right? Uh She landed on F-Boy Island. Yeah, what is this? Well, F-Boy, Corey, is a fuckboy. Okay, I'm I'm and familiar with the, the that concept. <laughs> I just really wanted to do that. Um, you know, you you you're one of your true loves is a fuckboy, Timothy Chalamet. Okay, first of all, not oh, one of my true loves. Here we go. Here we go. That's my wife's true okay, love. Well, okay. Well, did, did you know that your wife's in love with a fuckboy? I did. Anyway, okay. This whole <laughs> this whole show. <laughs> She's gonna be so mad when she hears <laughs> that. By the so way, mad. She's gonna be so mad. But uh, Kathleen, forgive me. I'm taking this thing off the rails. I don't care. Uh, Chloe's gonna be mad. You're gonna be mad. I'm canceled. Whatever. <laughs> but somehow, F Boy Island is still gonna be on the air. So this show is about an island, which why do all reality shows at this point in time not go to an island? But they go to an island. They put these folks on an island and it's like 20 dudes or something and three women. And the 20 dudes, about half of them are F boys, a.k.a. fuck boys. And the other half are nice guys. And so the women have to date them not knowing which they are and try to suss out the F boy from – the nice guy. Is it like the end of, of George Orwell's Animal Farm, where by the end, <laughs> like the humans are indistinguishable from the pigs? It's exactly like that. Yeah, I figured. It's really hard to tell them apart, turns out. Um, turns out that somehow men that are willing to go and take two months of their lives to live on an island all seem to be fuckboys. Yeah, that, that, is, <laughs> that is unsurprising. Oh boy. Anyway, I it's unbelievable this is on the air. I can't there's a lot of money behind it. I can't even believe it. This is the world that we live in. But my, the bigger thing here is that every woman on the show talks like this and I can't figure out what's going on, but that is their voice the whole time. So I should go home and watch <laughs> F Boy Island. Got it. Oh, absolutely. And then the other thing I'll mention in a little bit of a more serious note is I took a break, as one does when they're working as many hours as I am. And I took a break to from watching movies and talking about movies and looking at movies and scheduling movies and messaging filmmakers about films to go see a movie. And this is the sick thing that I do. And I went and I saw a film at the Alabama Theater. I saw Steel Magnolias. Oh, uh, yeah. 
And, you know, it's been a minute since I've seen it. It's one of my mom's favorites. It's a childhood favorite. It is a Southern classic, if you will. I don't know if you like this film or not. I don't know that I've seen it as an adult. I remember it being on, you know, when I was a kid because women in my family liked yeah. it a lot. But I don't know. Yeah. I've, I don't, I'm don't. i pretty sure I've never sat down and watched it, you know, since I've been old enough to, like, know what it hmm. is. I'd be interested to see what you think. I actually, this holds up for me. Yeah. I still like this film a lot. It's also, it's bookended with Easter. So it, it really, it, while it has a Christmas moment, it's really what I would consider sort of a spring Easter film, which is sure. fun. It's, it's probably inappropriate to have it in a summer lineup, but you know, not everybody's thinking about programming in the same way that we do. But I did enjoy seeing it on a summer evening, regardless of all that. And I don't have a ton to say about this film because it is a typical melodrama. There are you know, decent performances, Julia Roberts having being probably the weakest in the whole film and mm. having the weakest Southern accent, even though she's, I believe, originally from Georgia. She yeah. just, somehow doesn't hold up. But there is a moment in the film I just want to mention that I would highlight as being a great moment in a film. And that is, spoiler alert, if you have never seen Steel Magnolias, you probably aren't going to at this point, or maybe this will inspire you to, but I don't think it'll turn you off. A character in the film, this is a film also based on a play, I should mention, mm-hmm. but a character in the film, the character played by Shelby, played by Julia Roberts, dies, and she has a young child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so shortly after having a young child, she dies. And this sort of lead up to her having the kid is that that's going to do damage to her body, and that's the the sort of... You know, it's the it's it's a lot of the the structure of a narrative is around that, but the and what brings the melodrama here? But but the moment that I'm talking about is after they've sort of turned off the machine in the hospital and this melodrama, and her mom comes out. Her mom's the only one who can kind of handle being in the room with her when this happens. Mm-hmm. And the husband's disappeared and the. Uh, the dads disappeared and she comes they out. They went to F boy Island. They did. They were, they spent a little time on F boy. Island. They're 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 in the waiting room and she comes out and has having, having just immediately going into that mom mode where she's like, you call this funeral home, you do this, you do that. And it's going into the sort of grief solving problem overdrive. And she looks at, uh, at the husband of, of her daughter's husband and says, where is Jackson, which is the son and he says she's with my mom. And Sally Field doesn't say a word. She just runs out of the room. Hmm. And then it cuts to her in the car driving to get the little boy. And there's something about the skill and craft and that comes together in that moment in this just 45 seconds of screen time that is the editing, the direction, the performance, and the script that makes this moment of film just absolutely miraculous. If there's something so true and real and and horrific and and devastating about that moment, but also just so reflect just reflects human nature so mm. much. Anyway, it's I think that the film is worth seeing for one moment. For I think a lot of films are worth seeing for one moment, and this one in particular I think is worth seeing for that one, one moment. And I would suggest revisiting and, and hearing what you think. Okay. Anyway, that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Well, I guess I want to highlight uh, some of my favorite movies of the year so far that have come out in recent weeks. I don't want to spend too much time on any of them. Um, the The first is a um, little surprise here, a Nicolas Cage movie called Pig. Ah, um, that's at the cinema very soon. Yeah, I think as of you hearing this, it it 
it could be opening could be today on the 13th, possibly, question Sounds mark. about right. Um, I really recommend checking out Pig. Um, the the log line for this thing makes it sound a little bit like a, a crazy John Wick style thing, an action movie about Nicolas Cage seeking retribution when his beloved truffle pig is stolen from his secluded um, Oregon cabin. Um but it turns into a really um, effective character study about uh, this this broken man uh, played by Cage um, trying to reacclimate to a world he is very consciously left behind yeah. to live as a hermit um, and uh, dealing with the lingering effects of, of grief that he is, has tried to run away from. Um, of course, grief uh, once again finds him uh, when this pig is stolen, um, and and it, he goes on on quite a journey into a weird culinary underworld of sorts in Portland, um, and, and the movie never does what you think it's going to do. It That's is cool. constantly surprising, and it's one of the best performances from Nicolas Cage in a while. I That's mean, uh, a different sort of thing than he does in, say, Mandy, um, right. a little bit more restrained. Um, oh, wow. But see, well, it, it almost I mean, has to be more I mean, restrained. I was going to say, that's a that's a big, wide range right there. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, when Cage is fully connecting with material, there's nobody like him. And, and I don't disagree with that. It, I really don't. As much as I give give him shit, and guy is prolific as hell, and I would love it if he said no more often. But I, he when he's when he's great, he's great, and I am happy to hear that he's good in this because, and I think he's great in Mandy too. I think it. I think that film calls for that sure. performance. But you know, a lot of times it's just him bumbling through weird shit. Yeah, yeah. This is not that. It could have been. Right. And you know, you, you think that that's kind of the movie you're getting almost at at first, but it, but it's not. It's it's a lot subtler, and it's just really it's really special. It's a really great movie. Maybe his best work since Valley Girl. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to be provocative. That's very provocative. I know. I know. I mean, there was you know, there uh, were a couple other things. Yeah, one or two. Moon, um, Moonstruck, you know. Check out our our Nicolas Cage lightning round in whatever episode that was, where we talked about some of those great performances. For sure. Well, that's what we're watching, and you know, watch a bunch of stuff with us at the Sidewalk Film Festival. Please do. Is that the noise, or was that for something else? No, that was the noise. Well, speaking of the Sidewalk Film Festival, let's talk about a few of the narrative films. We've talked about the special events. That's right. We've talked about the the docs, some of the docs. So let's talk about some of the narratives. This is our third and final, I should say, trilogy series of very special episodes about the Sidewalk Film Festival 23rd Annual 2021. I got the year right. So what are you super excited to see in the world of narratives? I'm so happy that you are bringing The Novice to yes. Sidewalk. Uh, you were a huge fan of this film. Big you, fan. You, you're the first one to call my attention to it. It is indeed a shout film as well, our LGBTQ little symbol on that. So tell us a little bit about The Novice and why you're excited about it. So The Novice is a psychological drama um, that borders on sort of hysterical thriller at points, like a black swan, like a whiplash about a a college student played by Isabel Furman, a a young woman who is most recognizable uh, from – 
being a child actress and playing the lead role in the horror movie Orphan. That's yep. where I knew her from. Uh, she's all grown up now. She's playing a college student who becomes uh, a rower. She she joins the the rowing team at her university and uh, pushes herself and pushes herself and pushes herself beyond anything reasonable, um, alienating everybody in her path uh, with As this. One does, yeah, with this. They work too much. Monomaniacal focus on being the absolute best rower on the team, making the varsity team her first year, and just excelling. Uh, her reach may exceed her grasp, however, um, and um, her attempts to uh, continue to push herself uh, send her spiraling, um, as you can imagine, into something akin to madness. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, again, whiplash adjacent um, and um, a really, really strong debut feature from writer-director Lauren Hathaway. Very cool. Um, it's, it's just really, it's really strong. It's really compelling. It's a great central performance. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of, you know, it's, it's dark. It's kind of disturbing, uh, as these movies tend to be, but, but, um, you know, just just uh, darkly compelling in the ways that that those these movies are. So check it out. You know, I want to mention really quickly, as I like to do sometimes, a, a very deep cut of a film that will be very pos- potentially hard to find, even though if it's out there, if it's out there, it's out there. And that is a, another academic spiral into madness, so to speak, a- academic era student spiral into madness. And that's a film from many years ago at Sidewalk Alum called Nancy Please. If you've never seen oh, Nancy, please, I remember and the I title. I didn't go see and it. Take a look and see if I can find it. It is an incredible, incredible thriller-ish. I'm losing my mind because I'm so wrapped up in my in, in my studies that I've just become so focused. Yeah, and uh, also a great sort of roommate head to head on this thing. Yeah. So Nancy, please, great film. I love to mention a deep cut when I can. Well, the novice is playing twelve fifteen on Saturday uh, at the Alabama Theater, and cool. I can't think of a better venue to see this movie in. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll jump to Saturday night. Uh, you're bringing um, a wild looking French comedy called Mandibles. Yeah. Um, and and that is playing. Where is that playing? That is playing at the Alabama, the Alabama Theater, Theater as well uh, at eight fifteen uh, that night. So. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you may be familiar with Quentin uh, Depew, or at the very least, his film Rubber uh, from some years ago that got some attention about a, a tire that can psychically blow people's heads up. Mandibles is another absurd comedy in uh, in that vein about uh, two dummies who find a giant fly and decide to train it to do crimes. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't been looking, and I know we have, for a bro comedy <laughs> – about two dudes who come across a giant fly, try to train it to get the money, and end up just kind of fucking up along the way. So it is a it is a creature feature of sorts and a wild ride of a very short film. The the trailer is, is a lot of fun for this. I haven't seen this film yet. I, I would like to, um, but it looks like a blast. I mean, I think it comes in at like 85 minutes or something. It's super efficient. Really, really lovely film. Doesn't overstay its welcome, huh? No. That's and, good. And it's... As if the giant fly isn't enough, there's also a chihuahua. Hey. And there's also a woman who is played by my girl from Blue is the Warmest Color. Adele Exarchopoulos. Yeah, don't even try the last name. Uh, Adele 
long ass Greek last name. Right. Um, it's she stars in it, and she's in two films. She's in this and in Sybil. That's right. That we're screening in the, in the lineup, but she's had a brain injury, and everything she talks about is like this. It's actually that was a mild version of what she does. It's that gag alone is worth the film, but when you add a giant fly and a chihuahua to that gag, eh, it's hard to miss that one. Yeah. Looks like fun. So let's uh, let's talk about the two uh, gross horror movies playing Saturday night. Uh, we need to do something in the feast. Yeah. Um, we need to do something uh, is about a family trapped in their bathroom in the aftermath of a tornado. And unfortunately for them, it appears that their um, teen daughter may be uh, dabbling in some dark magic. And uh, really sends things spiraling in a yeah. in a pretty unfortunate direction for this family, starring uh, Vanessa Shaw and uh, Sidewalk favorite Pat Healy, who pops up in you know a ton of stuff uh, that we've played over the years. Also, if you attend that, if you, we like to bring surprises. If you remember being at Most Beautiful Island oh with God. us a few years ago when we had a little surprise that was relevant to the film. Trust me when I tell you that there is a relevant surprise that's going to happen in this one. Oh, boy. I, I have some ideas. Yeah. Um, and then uh, The Feast uh, is also Saturday night. Uh, Ooh, this is a nasty little film. This is a nasty little movie. I love this movie. Uh, entirely in the Welsh language. Uh, it's from the UK. It's from Wales, specifically. Um, and it's about a dinner party. Um, that's being um, sort of catered and uh, the, the wait staff is this, this young woman who's preparing the food. She's going to serve the food to these uh, upper class assholes uh, who are, well, let's just say they're, they're uh, preparing for their last meal, even, they don't, even though they don't know it yet. And um, this thing gets crazy. It's pretty crazy. I'm, I'm ready to usher in the era of we hate rich people subgenre films and this is definitely one of them Ooh, boy uh i really i really like both of these movies they're a lot of fun you can't go wrong picking either one um and they are both <laughs> they've both got some nasty little shocks and surprises in them and we've been accused in the past of being a little nihilistic i don't think anybody's going to accuse us of that this year not because we don't have the lineup for it but because finally 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 the world has showed that we were right all along <laughs> and um, there's going to be more of that throughout the weekend so uh, We Need to Do Something is playing um, at 9.20 p.m. at the Lyric, and um, The Feast is playing at 10.15 p.m. or 10.25 p.m., excuse me, at the Alabama Theater, so right across the street. So let's move to Sunday. You're bringing back Emma and putting it in your fabled Sunday morning Alabama Theater spot. My precious little spot. I've got a handful of folks. Cameron McAllister, if you're listening, you're one of them, even though we've just agreed once. But um, this is my favorite little beautiful spot in the Alabama where I bring a film that is not big enough to really – it's too big for its britches because it shouldn't really be in the Alabama. There's no way it's going to pack the house. But man, oh, man, is it a special film. Oftentimes these films end up being ones that you just can't see otherwise, like Tired Moonlight. Or, right. Or Ma, these are films that you wouldn't have been not Ma like the Octavia Spencer one, but yeah, you can see very that different film. Um, <laughs> but uh, Celia Carey's, uh, am I saying that right? Yeah, uh, Ma, I believe I'm saying that right. Anyway, these are films that oftentimes are end up being deep cuts that I'll later reference in my life and on the podcast. And this is this is while you will be able to see Emma. Otherwise, do not get me wrong. This film, I 
just does has no place at the Alabama theater other than it being beautiful. It's not going to pack the house, but I highly recommend coming and seeing it in that venue. You know what? No. Pack the house for Emma. <laughs> pack the house at 10:15 a.m. on Sunday morning for Emma um because this shit's wild and it is so good and it is so beautiful and it is desperately underseen because it was one of those things that was supposed to get released uh in 2020 but then oops the you know the pandemic happened and the movie's just been kind of in this weird limbo uh for you know almost 2 years this yeah. thing premiered at Toronto yeah. in 2019 um and you sort of had an opportunity to see it at the drive-in, um, technical difficulties notwithstanding. Foiled opportunities. Um, then we had rain. This thing, I really, man, it's. I've been chasing it. So I, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, I'm just, I'm just simply saying that oftentimes these films don't. They, they, they should. They're deserving of an audience. They just don't necessarily bring that audience. And there's something else about my, my little sort of somewhere between 10 and 11 a.m. slot on Sunday morning, and that is that the programming is so wrong for that time <laughs> that it feels right. Like there's something so I tend to lean into a melodrama or something really, really. Uh, even if it's not fully a melodrama, something that sort of feels intense in a particular way. And so while you may not, while Emma may not feel like the right thing on a Sunday morning, trust me when I tell you it's going to be right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're going to feel so energized coming out of that screening too. I mean, that movie is, oh my God. I just, I I can't say enough good things about it. I love it too. It's, it's so good. Uh, All right. So uh, let's move to to later in uh, the afternoon on Sunday, a movie that I caught at Tribeca that I really liked called Catch the Fair One. I'm really happy that you're bringing that to Sidewalk. Also a very efficient film. Yeah. A a narrative that is uh, features an actual real life boxer playing the lead role. It's 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 a thrillerish kind of deal. It is a dark little MF. But it is a really interesting film, and 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 again, super super efficient. Where a woman woman goes deep into the dark sides of, of this country, trying to find her sister who's being uh, is being sex trafficked. Yeah, um, really really gripping dark stuff. Um, but like you said, a, a kind of brutal, efficient little thriller or thriller adjacent movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it it does it is a thriller. It tackles serious subject matter, but it's it's you know it is an intense, uh, wild ride of a yeah. little movie. Uh, absolutely worth checking out. Um, and then uh, let's see later uh, on Sunday. Um, well, you have been talking up Sybil for I quite some Sybil. time. I, I still haven't seen it. Another film that is gives a little peek behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, this is a narrative film, but it kind of gives a peek behind the scenes of 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 filmmaking. So a film about a film and a film specifically about a writer and an actor and their relationship with one another. There's so much to unpack in this thing. Mm. And it, it has a little bit of a melodrama vibe to it as well. But I just think it's one of the most solid narratives that I've seen in the last two years. Sick. Yeah. yeah Great performances. And again, you see my girl um, with a very lengthy Greek last name in this. Yeah. Adele Exarchopoulos. We'll just, we'll just go with that. I don't know if that's She's right. great. She's great in this film. I, I actually, Corey, think you will dig this one a yeah. lot. I should check it out. That's, that's at uh, 6 p.m. Um, at the... I believe that's at the Alabama too. No, it's at the Sidewalk uh, Cinema. Oh, I have it Sidewalk at the Cinema. Cinema. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm come sorry, check that Sybil, out. I'm sorry, Sybil, but you're worthy of Alabama, but you're at the Sidewalk Cinema. 
closing night this year is uh, a narrative feature called the beta test. Yeah, and um, the beta test comes from us. Uh, comes to us from uh, co-directors. Uh, let's uh, PJ McKay, but that's right. I wanted to get his last name right. Yeah. And Jim Cummings, Jim Cummings, uh, sidewalk alum himself with uh, the feature Thunder Road. Uh, but perhaps more uh, pertinent uh, to uh, local listeners of this podcast, uh, Side Talks interview subject herself, Virginia Newcomb, co-starring in Heck this yeah. picture. Uh, she's been on the podcast. Not a big deal. We're not bragging. Um, but but like you you have said, uh, you know, recently, um, we can't have Sidewalk without at least one movie featuring Virginia. No, we're contractually obligated. Uh, I can't wait for this. I. I'm so excited to see this because I love Jim Cummings' previous two features, Thunder Road and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. So This one is mean-spirited AF. Hey, I am here for Can't it. Can't wait to hear what you think. Um, speaking of uh, a couple more mean-spirited movies, well, we'll get to that one in a minute. Um, I'm a big fan of Swan Song. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I think yeah. it's I think it's a nice little movie. This is part of the shout lineup uh, from director Todd Stevens. It's playing at, at 7 p.m. at uh, First Church. And it's got a wonderful lead performance from Udo Kier, of all people. The yeah. great Udo Kier, who has uh, made a career playing real weirdos uh, in international cinema uh, for, I don't know, 50 years at this point. Oh, I, yeah, at least. And I mean, my favorite weird... Uh, my favorite weirdo that he plays is actually in My Own Private Idaho. Yeah. Very strange guy. I like him playing the um, the passive-aggressive butler in Melancholia. Yes, that's, that's a good Because it's like that's some of the one. only comedy in that movie. That's a good one. Um, in this movie, Udo Kier plays um, a an aging former hairdresser who now lives in a retirement community. Um, he is a, a gay man who has seen all of, you know, pretty much all of the other gay men of his generation uh, pass away before him. Uh, and now um, with news that uh, one of his former um, big money clients has passed away, he goes on something of a, a last odyssey um, to do this woman's hair for her visitation before her funeral. Um, this takes him back to his the small town in which he lived, um, which is uh, kind of unrecognizable to him. Um, but I, I just think this is a nice, a sweet little movie um, that's that's it's all held together by this um, this really strong, unusual lead performance from from Kier. Yeah, yeah, I recommended, recommended. Um, and then in the final film um, on Sunday night uh, that I want to highlight is a movie called John in the Hole um, at 745. Um, it's actually and- not the final film. Oh, There's well. a sneaky little sucker in there right now. But anyway, go ahead and talk about John in the Hole and then I'll mention the other Okay. One. John in the Hole is playing at the Sidewalk Cinema at uh, 745 p.m. It's about a kid named John and how he puts his family in a hole. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he does. He He's, you know. He thinks about him occasionally. He brings him some food every once in a while. Yeah. He goes and stands and just looks at them and looms over at them. Now, please check out the trailer for John and the Hole before you go see this movie. Um, Bringing new meaning to quarantine. Right. <laughs> this is the film we all deserve. We are the virus. Well, okay. Fair enough. I guess there's nothing else to put. 
to say about John in the Hole other than that. So what what is the other sneaky little thing that you're talking about? Well, I'm bringing Zola back. Yeah, so that wasn't confirmed. I didn't want to... Yeah. Or last I checked, it wasn't it's confirmed. It's confirmed. I just talked to A24 yesterday, and it's Excellent. confirmed. I wanted to see this film in the lineup. This is one of my favorite films, top four or five of the year. Yeah, my same. gentleman camera that I work with, not Cameron McAllister, but my gentleman camera that I work with at A24, is he said this is his number one favorite film of the year. I fucking love Zola. Hell yeah. And I couldn't resist the opportunity to have a dick montage at the Alabama <laughs> Theater. So Zola is going to be there if you haven't seen it. I would go see it. If you have seen it, at least catch the first 30 minutes and then make your way over to the award show across the street. Hell yeah. Damn, I love this. Zola's great. It's great. Uh, My number four of the year so far. Cool. By the way, I just had to look at that. So anyway, that's just a handful of the narratives. There are other ones. We are doc heavy, as I've mentioned before, but there are other narratives. So check out the lineup and pick what you're going to see. And I don't think you can go wrong with any of the titles we just talked about. Yeah, the lineup is at sidewalkfest.com. And that's where you can also get tickets and passes You're going to want to do that soon. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We've now taken a look at the, you know, the Sidewalk Film Festival lineup for the 2021 edition in the previous episodes and then in this episode. So what are you waiting for? Sidewalkfest.com is where you get those tickets and passes i know i stepped on you know your usual line oh here. no it's okay but, that's all but. right i'll be all right we're, you know we're, this is the <laughs> third in a series in a, in, a, in a trilogy of us discussing the festival and we're wrapping it up and we are your own personal cinematic andre agassi and john McEnroe. so you have a documentary that i didn't bring that's up I was leading into because i think i might have done that one before but yeah buried in the lineup I'm as, curious as about filmmakers this. like to say, I love when a filmmaker messages me and goes, my film is buried in the lineup. There's really no burying in a lineup. It's all good. But this film is indeed buried in the lineup in some ways. Uh, but it was a last minute little shove into the lineup. A repertory documentary. It is. Uh, thanks to Metrograph Films, it is called The French. And it is an observational film about the French Open. I think it's like the 1983 French oh. Open. It is crazy footage. If you like tennis in the least... I if should, you like it in the out. least, go see. This is such a special opportunity to see yeah. this film. So I am, I'm really, actually, it's one of the things I'm the most excited about in the lineup, even though it's a sleepy little sucker in there. But it, it's so cool, and it does have a, it has a hefty runtime. It's going to chase some people off. But even if you came in, this is the great thing about a VIP pass, y'all. Even if you just come in and sit in this room for 20 minutes and watch observational footage of the fucking French Open from 1983, like, it's worth your 20 minutes while you're waiting to see something else, even if you just caught a few minutes. For sure. It's it's glorious. It's glorious. And and uh, guess who's a big fan of his thing? Who? Wes Anderson. Oh, well, he would have to be. I mean, the Royal Tenenbaums alone. Of course. Sure. So I, I highly recommend at least catching a few minutes of it. It's not a breezy film, but it is an interesting one. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening um, to Side Talks. And uh, thanks to our friends here at Boutwell Studios for producing uh, these long episodes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we got a festival coming up. It's long, and you know what's funny? It's long, and yet we only just have talked about over the last three episodes, we've only talked about about 25% of a lineup. Yeah, so. we, we didn't really it's do wild. our usual bits either. <laughs> right. So <laughs> Right, so it's wild. But thank you for, for listening to us this long, and thanks to Boutwell for putting up with us this long. And, uh, yeah, thank, thanks, 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 thanks. Bye. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.